0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. We are back for another fantastic episode this week. We are talking with Nick of Emergent Method. We are going to learn about the ability to grow and scale the startup to the capacity in which they have and the value in remote hiring and workplace and really just at the end of the day getting the job done. But before we give that, Want to give a big, wonderful shout out and thank you to the amazing partners that bring you this show each and every week: Government Taco, Falaya Real Estate, Lakeman's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and you know, our outfits are always brought to you by McClavy Limited. Without further ado, Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Great to be here, Patty. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for coming and taking in the flight to get here in time to get this episode recorded. I'm very appreciative of that, and just all around excited to hear about your journey,
1: man. Same here. And thanks for all you do for Baton Rouge, Patty. It's important that we tell our stories.
0: Well, it's, it it hit me in like 18 and 19 whenever everybody said they wanted to leave because there was no room for opportunity here in Baton Rouge and they just didn't see it. So whenever somebody said they didn't see it, I said, well, y'all are all dead wrong. There's so much opportunity here. So many great businesses doing wonderful things and I'm just going to prove it. And so the way I've, done that or attempted to do that is with the show. So through audio, video, means, and you name it, it's my way of showcasing the great businesses that are here in Baton
1: Rouge. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And, keep and, up that great work. And you're one of them. Yeah. Well, happy to be here.
0: <laughs> so for those that may not be aware, who are you and what the heck do you do, man?
1: Yeah. Nick Spire, I've got a little firm here in town called Emergent Method. That was firm. started That's... about 10 years ago. Uh, and so In its most simplistic terms, we're a management consulting firm, Patty. Uh, So organizations hire us uh, when they either have a problem or they're trying to accomplish something. And uh, the work varies by the nature of the client, by the nature of the industry. But we sort of feel that we're at our best when we help clients understand their current environment they're operating in, whether that's internal organizational dynamics or sort of external market pressures. Uh, help them develop plans on how to improve their performance help them achieve their missions help them better serve the communities in which they serve um, and 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 unlike many other of the especially the big national consulting firms we really feel like you know one of our sweet spots in our niches is we like to roll up our sleeves and help organizations get the work done um, so we, we we don't view ourselves as the consultants that hand over a report that tells a client what it is they should do but but we're at our best when we become part of their team, uh, when we're not viewed as a vendor or outside consultant, but really valuable members of their team and help them get great things done. And and so the success we've had over the years is certainly a byproduct of a lot of hard work and amazing team members we have at Emergent Method uh, that I couldn't be more proud of uh, to go along and work with every single day. But but we wouldn't be who we are without our clients, without the faith, faith and trust that they've put into us. And, and our success is only possible when our clients are successful. So uh, it's been a hell of a run. and uh, But more importantly, we're really, really excited about where we are and the opportunities we see to keep growing, not just here in Baton Rouge, but really across the country.
0: So how many states are you all actually working in now?
1: We've got employees in 2021 20, states. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy world, especially in the post-COVID environment uh, where we've embraced a new virtual model. Uh, while we have amazing talent here in Baton Rouge. There's great talent all across the country. And and with some of the niche consulting that we do, it kind of requires us to, to, to pick up team members in other markets that have their own unique experiences. We have active clients today. It's probably 14 or 15 states. A majority in the southeast, but, you know, we've got a big project going on right now in Kansas with Kansas State University uh, and a couple of other exciting opportunities that we're we're currently involved in.
0: That's incredible to see the growth over 10 years. So how did we get here? How did you start and one day decide, I'm going to open my own management consulting firm?
1: So I graduated from LSU with a degree in finance, but if you kind of rewind the clock back, my junior year in finance, I was watching most of the folks that I knew that I was friends with uh, graduating in finance degrees, either going into investment banking uh, or going into the insurance business. And neither one of those felt right for me. Uh, and quite frankly, I didn't understand the path of how I could get there from, you know, the curriculum I was learning at LSU to, to really appreciate what those opportunities were. And as, as happened, had it. And, and it's been one of the great lessons I've learned over time, we're all in the relationship business. Is, uh I grew up in St. Landry Parish, so I'm, I've i got a thick accent, especially if I <laughs> drink a few more of these beers, you'll start to hear it here in a second. Um, but I ran into a guy named Jarrett Swallow uh, from Opelousas, who was the graduate assistant for Dr. Glenn Sumner's in the LSU Internal Audit Program, uh, which is a legit job factory, right? And it has been now for 30 years. Um, and so I was able to you know, go through that program and get an internship with PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, which led me to Dallas for the internship, ultimately, to Atlanta. And I was doing internal audit work, and it didn't take me long to realize that that's probably not the world I wanted to operate in forever. But I tell you, I met some amazing people. You go work for a big consulting firm like PwC, every day you're learning so much because you're working with some incredible talent. And my story at PWC, I was able to bounce around across a couple of different practices from kind of pure internal audit. Um, I was, my biggest client at the time was Delta Airlines. Uh, This was 2004, 2005. Uh, Airline industry was really struggling at the time. Fuel costs were really high. Uh, So I worked with Delta Airlines on a big outsourcing engagement. And I was like a peon consultant, taking notes, making coffee. But in the right rooms, around the right people, um, and through that process of working on a, on a, on a bankruptcy kind of outsourcing an initiative and study, I got into a group within Coopers called the People in Change Business, right, which is really about how do organizations really work? And they really work by the people that they have, the processes they put in place. And so I got more into change management, more into leadership development, which, which led me ultimately back to Louisiana after I had met my wife and we were ready to start a family um, in re- late 2007, uh, is when I moved back here. So I was away in Atlanta, then up in New York for a couple of years. Um, but then came back to Baton Rouge, um, and worked for a boutique consulting firm here in town for a little while, began to really appreciate the landscape, began to appreciate the opportunity. And, and in the summer of 2012 decided it was, it was time to, to hang my own shingle, um, the funny thing about that though Patty right is as we look here now with with almost two hundred employees, I legit got into this business because I didn't want to manage people right I wanted it to be my own one-man show <laughs> and and it was great that first year was awesome it wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. I had a foundational client um and and it was during that year where I began to see some opportunities and the story of our growth is really growing through our clients patty um you know, we, we've been able to add on, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, during the course of the of the, the show, but, you know, we've been able to add on a variety of services, uh, whether that's IT-related work, graphic design, creative web branding, uh, leadership development, executive searches. Uh, we've, we're big into kind of the project staffing business, and we can talk about that a little bit more, but it's, it's really been, how can we build great relationships with the clients that we have? How can we not be viewed as, you know, as, as doing one thing, right? Because our basic premise and philosophy within our firm and it's led, I think to the growth is organizational challenges are not solved in a box. Right. Um, you know, if, if you have an accounting issue, you hire an accountant, if you have a legal issue, you hire a lawyer we like to be kind of the Jack of all trade problem solvers. And so we've just kind of, we've listened to our clients. We've seen the opportunities with our clients. Our clients have oftentimes asked us, do we, do you do this? And the real answer is absolutely not. We've never done that. The answer they got was absolutely. We do that. We go back to the shop, you know, we get on a whiteboard and, uh, we say, how, how the hell are we going to actually pull this off? Yeah. Um, and that's really been the story of our growth and, and I'm really proud of it. You know, we, we've gotten some awards and some accolades, and all those things are great. Um, the things I'm, I'm truly most proud of are the very first client that we had on day one was the Water Institute of the Gulf, uh, which is a real jewel in this town, right? And it's a real treasure for Louisiana. We still do work with the Water Institute of the, the Gulf 10 years today. Um, first guy that you know had sort of the courage to join me and, and believed in what we could build together was John Snow, and uh, he's done a ton of work with the city with the city Paris, and has basically done it every single month since he joined our team. And, and so just really focused on providing a great experience for our clients, again, not be viewed as an external vendor, but more of an internal partner um, and then really kind of grown and expanding with them and leveraging those experiences to go get new work with, with other organizations.
0: That is an incredible story of what it takes to get where you are and how you've gotten there. I want to, go back a little bit to something you said that is a topic that has so much value for young entrepreneurs, young aspiring business people. The point where you were at PwC and you said you were the lowly consultant, filling coffees, taking notes, the taking notes part, being in those important big meetings, not having a role necessarily or an opinion to provide, but the note taking. And even if you're taking the minutes, just being able to be in the room where discussions are being had at a higher level than probably comprehensible at the time for you, how significant is that and was that over the course of your career? Just
1: being in the room. Look, it's it's the building block, and I I can promise you, if any of the team members at our place are going to ever listen to this, they're going to cringe when I say it because they hear me say it all the time. Right? Is until you can sweat those small things, you're never going to get trusted with the big things. And there's just a general lack of patience that all of us have, and it's a good thing. It fuels us. I mean, I'm a very impatient person, um, but being able to be in those rooms, again, making the coffee, right, making sure the agendas were out, making sure the room was set up, making sure the conference call lines back in the day were working, or now it's, you know, making sure Zoom is up. When you're able to do those things, you get pulled into more meetings. When you get pulled into more meetings, you get exposed to new people and new experiences. And then that's when you see the trajectory really take off. I've just seen it in our firm where you can see these young, hungry consultants that are willing to be patient and willing to do those things. They're the ones that I want in every meeting with me. Right. And, and they ultimately want to be in the room and and have those opportunities to lead those meetings. Look, I just got back from a trip with in Oklahoma city where we have two of our team members that are doing an amazing job. We're, we're supporting the state of Louisiana, the state of Arkansas and the state of Oklahoma uh, with an initiative called the Halo Hydrogen Hub. So the U.S. Department of Energy has put out a, a call for regional hydrogen-based hubs to try to, you know, it's a a cleaner based, you know, energy technology to come together. And, uh, and we're going to put forth one hell of a team, but I've got two team members that are driving and leading it. And so I showed up at the meeting in Oklahoma City. We had the governor from Oklahoma speak with our team yesterday. And it was pretty clear to me what my role needed to be. I needed to be the one passing the microphone around during the Q&A sessions because David Carter was running the meeting. We had Kaylee Jones absolutely crushing it with all she does. And so we try and I hope that we're still able to sort of emulate just how important it is to do all those other extracurricular things that A lot of folks feel like that's somebody else's job, but to me, when you're able to roll up your sleeves and you're able to do those things, not just earlier in your career, but throughout your career, it's how you're going to continue to get invited in the rooms and how you're going to get, how you're ultimately going to have big impacts with your clients and the things that they're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And being able to then, when called upon in that meeting or the future meetings down the line, you've had all these other meetings where you've sat in, you've listened to what's done. And then you've <clears throat> helped execute outside the, the room whenever you're called upon. You know, it's when you're sitting there as a young employee or a young entrepreneur and they're talking about, hey, we want to do this, we want to do that. And all of a sudden they turn and go, what do you think? And then you're like, oh, what? Wait, I'm, exactly. it's my time to shine. Um, um. And then you have an answer, not necessarily prepared, but you can work through a line of reasoning based on your past experience. When you had no input prior, it's at that point where – making sure everything was ready to go and the meeting ran smoothly. And some of the best learning I've ever had was when I said nothing at all in a meeting. Yep. And I just sat there and was taking notes and was just there and just present and actually listening. Because there are some times when you go into a meeting if you're a young, hungry person and you just think all the other things you could be doing right now. But the most important thing is being actively engaged yep. in that meeting whether you say nothing at all or you lead it. You have to be so engaged, so thoughtful, and just attentive to every little word. You're going to pick up on so much. And like you said, just skyrocket within your career from there.
1: Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. Look, we've got a saying within our firm, right, as it relates to how we want to interact with our clients. And and look, and I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and we we do a lot of work with the, with the big consulting firms, the multinationals. And they're great. They have amazing people, you know, not, not exclusively this way, I don't want to create the stereotype there, but I almost feel that they walk into a room as if they're the smartest people in the room. Um, and, and our philosophy is the first thing that we want to do with our clients is for them to like us. Like just fundamentally, do they like us? Do they care about us? Do we know who they are? Um, do they enjoy being around us? Do we enjoy being around them? Like that's the first building block. Because uh, to me, if you don't have that building block, the rest of the stuff just doesn't matter. And so if we can get our clients to like us, right, second thing we've got to do is our clients have to trust us. And look, we can go so many ways with what trust means, right? But for us to really help organizations improve and succeed, um, then they've got to be able to tell us everything, right? I mean, they've, they've got to feel totally comfortable and confident, you know, to hand their baby to us in many ways, right? Um, but so that's one definition of trust in, in my book. The next thing is they, they've got to know if we're on it, we're on it, right? So when they walk into the room and they've got a big meeting and their customers or their stakeholders are involved, we've handled every detail, right? They don't have to worry about any of that. When when it's Friday before a holiday and, you know, the fit just hit the shan from, from their perspective, right? I want them comfortable calling us. I hate it for us, right? I don't want to get those calls necessarily on the Friday, but do they trust us enough to make that call and will we rally as a team to be able to come together to, to help figure out whatever that challenge is? And so if, if our clients like us and they trust us, and then at the end of the day, we need to do good work. There's no doubt about it. You know, you, they've got to value us. Um, but if you do great work and you're the best at what you do and a client doesn't like you and trust you, they're not going to call you back. They're not going to refer you. And so that's kind of been the mantra and the philosophy is, Everything that we're doing today, how are we creating unique and distinctive experiences? Because that's that's what drove the whole business. I mean, our growth has not been that we, cre- you know, created some great strategic plan that we've been executing on for ten years. It's not. Uh, we didn't. If 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 we would have followed our strategic plans in the early days, we would undershot by so much, right? Uh, and so we focus more on our quote unquote methods, our behaviors because uh, when we do those things, we just feel like everything else takes care of itself.
0: Yeah, and that's especially when you've got the Gulf South in play. Relationships are essentially paramount when it comes to doing a business transaction. You have to have a built-in relationship that you've either grown and nurtured over the last decade and some change, or that you've given them a reason to want to have that relationship. You know, You're not coming in at the very first meeting saying, hey, here's how we're going to solve all of your problems. Rather, we need to know everything about your company before we can even begin to say, here's what we can fix. Because right. yep. if we don't know everything, then you're just coming out like what you were saying with that overconfident, like we're the best in the... Just, you just sit there, we're going to tell you how we're going to fix your problems. Yep. But if you don't take that time to listen and that patience of fully understanding every element of their company, you're going to give something that's probably not even relevant at that Correct. point. And then... In your typical fashion of here's the report go do what you need to do and execute then you're done you're on to the next person but for y'all's method of no 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 here's the report and here's where we're going to come into play at every step along the way to make sure that what we say should be done is getting done and if we got to pivot we're going to pivot we're not just going to give you a report that's good at this point in time it's going to be a living
1: breathing document that's probably going to have some changes along the way yep well so you, you bring up a great point right when when we started this company ten years ago, uh, my wife and I did it on a whim, uh, and we're neither one of us are very creative. And so we called it Spiral Consulting. It wasn't until three years later, when John Snow was on the team and Philip LaFargue was on the team, and we started hiring some junior staff members and junior consultants then that I came to the realization and we came to the realization, we, we don't want this to be spiral consulting. We don't want it to be about an individual. And certainly it's not a catchy name and it's not going to help us build a brand. Uh, so the name emergent method is, you know, it's, it's literally this, we feel that we're at our best when we can facilitate a process and we get the right people from our clients in the room and Ultimately, the great ideas emerge. It doesn't need to be ours. I mean it's oftentimes their ideas that we're just helping sort of execute on. And so they're, they're, it takes a it does take a degree of humility to say, look, all organizations have problems and challenges. I mean the one you work at it, it certainly does. Ours is all jacked up as well. We're, we're as imperfect as they come. And our clients are the exact same way. And, and so one of the things we really try to, you know, coach and mentor, our younger team members on is it's not our job to make anybody perfect because we're imperfect it's our job to make our clients a little bit better and if we make them a little bit better and focus on the one or two things they're asking us to focus on ultimately over time they're going to like us and trust us and value us and we're going to start to be able to have more large-scale change right but you got to build that trust and you gotta you've got to earn that relationship and so it's literally our name. I mean, we we, we we have a method to put the people in the room that are all really, really smart, working hand-in-hand hand with our clients. Don't send us in a room and come back in and tell you, what, you, think you what, what we think you should do. No, we want to be in the room with you, and we want to help collectively figure out what's going to be the path forward, and we want to help you get that done. So that is the emergent method. Hey, I, I've always understood that
0: most of the time, People have the answers they're asking the questions for. They just need somebody to tell them what they're thinking and they've already gotten it's to them. It seems like a no brainer right? Oh, well, yeah, of course I will. We're here to just tell you and kind of affirm what you're thinking is probably the right thing. Yeah. And now we're going to be with you and help you really see that come that's, to life.
1: That's exactly right. So what we bring to the table is we have the experiences of working with tons and tons of organizations and we learn from every one of our clients. And so, Oftentimes, it's not about the what, but it's about the how. Um, And I think that's where, you know, we're really good when we're working with our clients to say, how do we actually get this done? How do we move the needle? What's step one? What's step two? What's the agile process we're going to put in place when things don't go according to plan in step two? So, yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt about it. And to me, that's the fun work, right? Um, That's the tangible work. Um, The handing a plan and walking away is pretty empty, right? you know, what's really fulfilling is being along your clients when they're able to accomplish big things.
0: And then you're able to be there with them and help celebrate those victories that they've accomplished being a part of the team. You know, like you said, that it goes back to not just being a vendor, right? Not just being this consulting firm or this organization that's brought in to solve a problem. Because generally, if you're on that team as an employee and you hear the words, "We're hiring an outside consultant to come fix our problems." Then, for probably a good chunk of the team, they're going, "Well, am I the problem? Yep. Are they going to come here and now they're going to do human resources management? Are they? Gonna, am, am I still in the job? Do I solve a position?" Like you start looking inward, like what is what is going on. But if they come in and say, "Hey, we're adding some team members to help us work through everything," it comes off as a much better sell. And y'all come in. And say, hey, we may not be office mates, but we are teammates on this organization's train to get the ball rolling and get
1: moving forward. Well, look, when our clients come to us and say, we want you to come assess our organization and tell us what it is we need to do, we're probably running away from that client. Look, there's smarter people out there than we are. There's no doubt about it. I've got no qualms about it. Go hire McKinsey. go hire BCG, go hire KPMG. That's fine. And they're really, really good. And there are certain businesses and in certain industries and there are certain situations where that makes all the sense in the world. And we're the first to say, we'll help you go get that. We'll help you procure that. That's not who we want to be. And it's certainly not who we want to be right here in our home state, right here in our hometown of Baton Rouge. Um, because we don't want to be those consultants that were the throat slit. You know, we, we, we want to be the partners. I mean, that is what we want to be viewed as. You know, it's kind of cliche, but we, we hope to be seen as trusted advisors and just integral members of the team. And so we, uh, while I refer to us as a management consulting firm, that's probably one caveat that we're kind of careful with around those clients with that expectation. That's not when we're at our best. That's not when we're most successful. Quite frankly, it's not when we're most fulfilled either.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately, they may come in with that inclination of, oh, we just need somebody to come in, tell us our problems and resolve it. And have you ever had the situation arise where they lead with that and do you kind of work through it to get to the root of you need a lot more than just somebody coming in, pointing out your faults, giving you a report called and walking away. Yep. I mean, how do you do you really just run from those clients?
1: No. Or, or do you do you work through them? No, we, we would describe what our typical process would be, right? Which, you know, it's it's not all that complicated and the methodology certainly can be found in, in tons of places. But say here's how we would approach that situation is we actually think your team is going to have a lot of the answers that we're looking for. It's a matter of packaging it up, really helping understand, appreciate it, articulate it. And we're really, really good at, you know, synthesizing complex information in creating the visuals, the roadmaps, the plans to help clients then go achieve on those things. So no, there's, you know, we, we, we try to pivot, you know, in those situations to, to be able to be the kind of partner we want to be. And if and if this, the desire is still, no, we need you to come assess, go up in a room like consultants in New York do and tell us exactly what it is you think we should do, those aren't the projects for us.
0: Yeah, and I think having the self-awareness and recognizing that within your organization is probably one of the reasons why you all have gotten so far and where you all are today, yep. is being able to say, then we're not the people for you. We're not the people that are going to do that, that are going to go in your conference room and your boardroom And bring in our whole team, and just have us in the room and throw out ideas of why do you think they're failing? Why do you think they're going bad? We're we're just looking from the outside in, you know. You you can't, if you look at a restaurant with the lights off, you are going to say, oh, they're closed down for the night. What they could be at a different event doing something else. They could have an offsite. You don't know what's happening if you are just looking through this lens Uh of what you are given. Of here is the problem, fix it. Whether it's no, that's this is a good start. Now let's take a look at the whole organization and figure out where it stems from and what your people think. I mean, that's like interviewing them and asking them, you know, what what is it that you say you do here? You know, for some office (laughs) space. (laughs) And working through that to get to a good root of what it is they're trying to accomplish. That's correct. So you said that y'all started with one set of services and then it's kind of expanded over the years. Let's kind of walk through. Yep that growth and ultimately end up with where y'all are at today?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, my, my background is business. Um, And so I would say we started off in the strategic planning, organizational design, organizational development realm. And that was mostly done through the water Institute of the Gulf. I mean, I was part of the team that put that operating business plan together uh, and then help, you know, when, when I started the company, my efforts every single day were based out of the water Institute in one American place downtown. Um, they were my full time client. I mean, I was a, I was on the website. I had a, I had a job title within it. I had a an email address with them. That's how we started the company. Um, but you were still like a contract, independent. Contractor. I was an independent contractor, right? We had okay. set up the LLC, and so, but everybody in this community didn't know that I had necessarily started a company. They all viewed me as a team member of the Water Institute. Uh, John Snow was the second hire. John's background was more comms, even though he has. Uh, a degree, uh, an MBA. And so John and I brought business and great communications, especially when it relates to stakeholder engagement for the public sector clients we work with, both state and local governments. Uh, third hire was Philip LaFargue. He's got a background in user centered design. So he brought really creative and strategic problem solving. He made us think about problems in ways we never appreciated. He made us appreciate how important design is to everything that we do, including the look and feel of our proposals, our deliverables, the you know the documents that stay even after we leave. Uh, our fourth big hire was a guy named Anthony Napolitano, who's the best IT project manager in the state of Louisiana. There's no doubt about it. He used to work at CGI for, for almost 20 years. But each of those hires were because our clients were saying, hey, do y'all do this? And we didn't. And so we knew we needed to go find somebody else to begin to supplement us. And so now I would sort of characterize us in, in, in five verticals. We still do that traditional strategic planning work. A lot of nonprofit, a lot of government, some for-profit work where organizations, and again, we're at our best when we've got a really inclusive leader who's wanting to do a lot of engagement to help figure out the future direction for an organization. It's what we're doing right now with Kansas State. Um, The president at Kansas State was the former dean of College of Ag and Life Sciences at North Carolina State University. John Snow led an effort, won a project there. He then got appointed president at Kansas State. He loved our process, not because we're higher ed experts, but he loved the fact that we are really, really good at bringing a diverse group of stakeholders together to help chart a plan and a path forward for an organization. So that's kind of one body of work. If you would peel the onions back a little bit on that, we do executive searches uh, for organizations. We do a lot of mm-hmm. HR mm-hmm. consulting as well. So that's kind of that traditional management consulting bucket. The second and, 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 and certainly a large one is strategic communications, especially within the public sector, uh, where we've got amazing folks that used to work within the media. Uh, we've got great content developers and storytellers. We've got amazing graphic designers. We have a world-class web team. Uh, So we'll kind of handle any of the strategic communication opportunities within our clients. Third is within the IT space, Uh, mostly public sector, mostly large-scale IT transformation, project management, quality assurance, quality control, testing, change management, the training of the individuals that are going to use these new systems and these new tools and the bells and whistles that they have. And then the last big area that that we have, we've got a subsidiary company called Emergent Talent. Um, And so we work on big, large, federally funded programs. We work in the project management space. Uh, But oftentimes it requires getting the word out about available resources um, to specific targeted communities, getting those individuals to apply for assistance, reviewing applications, processing those applications, doing all the quality assurance, quality controls, all the back-end compliance work and then handling all the communication challenges associated with these programs throughout and so our core emergent method consulting team which sort of fits in those first three or four verticals i referenced that's a team of about 60 people and then we've got a team of about 140 right now that balloons up to 200 it may come down a little bit that work on a single project for a fixed duration of time and so again, all those things sort of happened organically. Uh, we can rewind the clock and go back to certain events, which allowed for the big significant growth. Um, but the 2016 floods here in Baton Rouge certainly did. It got us into the disaster recovery space. Um, and so that's been a real big growth area for us. In the COVID world, you know, we were all Baton Rouge employees working out of our downtown office or in bond Carre with clients at the time, right? We were all with our clients and we were sitting in our office and then the world came to an end, right? And we all sat at home. We didn't know what the hell to do. Um, we had no idea the opportunities that would be created for that. Um, you know, there was a lot of federal money that started rental assistance programs, mortgage assistance programs, all these other, you know, kind of, you know, federal programs that were coming out trying to keep the economy running. Uh, our firm was able to get involved in a lot of that work, not just here in Louisiana, but using mostly Louisiana people that had a history of working on these big disaster recovery programs and deploying them to projects in North Carolina, North Dakota, Colorado. I mean, you kind of name it, kind of California, all across the country, Arkansas, Alabama. The other thing that happened during COVID was a couple of our folks that, had Louisiana roots or ended up in Louisiana. Um, And, for example, Dr. Robin Stiles on our team, um, she grew up on the West Coast. She's Cal Berkeley undergrad, GW master's, LSU PhD. She was working. She's got aging parents out in Sacramento. So she she came and asked us, you know, all the work we're doing is remote. Is it possible for me to work out of Sacramento? And, of course, we said yes because we wanted to support our team members. We had no idea what it meant at the time. Um, but then it just opened our door up in the 2020, kind of that summer and into the fall where we had multiple team members move to new markets. We were able to bring some new team members into this market. And then we just started hiring kind of all across the country based on what are our clients telling us they're looking for, what do our clients need? And so that's sort of been the, the growth and how we've done it. So we're, we're not an ad agency, but we do everything an ad agency does. You know, we're not a IT company, but we do a lot of the work that a lot of the big tech companies will do as well. And so I think that's been one of our secret sauces is that we're viewed as strategy problem solvers, but we've got multiple suites of services that we can offer our clients based upon what they want, what they need, what they're asking us to do.
0: Isn't that crazy what has been born out of COVID and the fact of accepting technology and figuring out the best way to implement it into an organization. I mean, beforehand, it was, and no, everybody's gonna be all hands on deck right. in the office. If we don't see you and we're not making those face to face connections, are we servicing the client the best we can? Correct. And COVID hit, and everybody was kind of just like, why haven't we been doing this for yep. so long? We've all got this technology. A webcam costs 30, 40, 50 bucks. And if we just give people this technology and the ability to work within a realm that suits their need and move to Sacramento to take care of their families, move wherever they have to, to help whomever they need. Well, now we can retain that, that team member and we can expand our operations. Yep. I mean, it's
1: just nuts. Yep. It's been interesting to see how it's sort of moved and how it's evolved. And, and, and if we wouldn't did it, I cringe to think about what we would be today. I think we'd be a fraction of the size that we are today. I, a lot of folks and a lot of our clients, are they're, look, they're struggling with it because it is hard to coach and develop and build and maintain culture in a virtual world. There's no doubt about it. We struggle with it. I, I don't know what all the answers are. Uh, we could certainly talk about the things we're doing and we're trying to do, you know, that were the best of the, the old days when everyone needed to be in the office. But look, our, many of our clients are struggling with it. I think what, what has been our biggest policing in terms of how do you make sure all your team members are productive, right? If you have a high-performing culture, right? Nick Saban's quote is one of my favorites, Patty. It's high achievers hate mediocre people and mediocre people hate high achievers, right? And if you have an organization where you allow mediocre people into the organization, the high achievers are going to get frustrated and they're going to leave. If you have an organization that's full of high achievers and you bring someone in and they're mediocre, The high achievers are going to hold me and our leadership team accountable to make sure that mediocre person either steps up or gets pushed out, right? And so that mentality and that mindset, and we're not perfect at it, right? But by and large, we're a team of high achievers, right? Overachievers, insecure overachievers in many ways. And so that's self-police. They don't allow a slacker to sit at a computer in their office or, you know, in in their bedroom in some other location. If they're not carrying their weight, we know. And if they're not carrying their weight, we work to address that situation. And so you you really, I, I, I think to survive in this virtual world, you really have to be an organization that has incredibly high expectations, that does its best to maintain that standard day in and day out. Um, if you walk into our office, there's three words on the wall and you may remember this from, from the trip you took there with your entrepreneurship class, but it's singular, unequaled, and extraordinary. It's the most unorthodox. We do vision statements, vision statements for our clients all the time. I think it's the most unorthodox vision statement, but that is ours. So what is it again? We want to be singular, unequaled, and extraordinary in all that we do in whatever it is that we do. Cause again, I'd have never thought 10 years ago, we'd be A big player in the disaster recovery world. I never would have thought 10 years ago we'd be leading uh, a strategic plan for the land grant University of Kansas. I never thought, you know, 10 years ago we'd be involved in a lot of the projects we're in. And so if we combined our vision back then around the type of stuff that we did, we wouldn't be where we are today. We we created a vision around whatever it is we decide to do, we're gonna be singular and equal and extraordinary. And that is the that is the standard. That is the expectation. And so I, you know, I think the most important job that I have now, Patty, uh, because I don't get to work directly with the clients as much as I love to and that I wish I could, you know, given the size of the organization now. But my most important job is to convince people that aren't going to be great fits, even though on paper they may look really, really good, not to take the job before we offer it to them. Uh, And I talk about how hard the work is uh, and how stressful it can be and how much of a grind that it can be. Because if you're not willing to do those things and perform at a really, really high level, our culture and and the team members that we have, which are now the keepers of that culture, they're not going to allow you to stick around.
0: Yeah, and I saw today somebody talked about their hiring process for their organization, and he said that he and his wife will do what is possible in the interview process to try and find reasons to fire the person before they even hire them. No doubt about it. They work through everything and all the wrong reasons, all the reasons why you would leave, all the reasons why you would fail. They work through all of that, and then if they pass all these tests and they pass through this process, then they go, great, go talk to our team and they're going to hire you. Nice. We're just We're just here as the gatekeepers to make sure only the best of the best get through, and when we are done with you, you have an appreciation and a very clear understanding of what's expected.
1: Yep. Look, our team does a great job in the recruiting and the screening. We do simulations with people to try to understand what their skills are. They meet with multiple folks on our team. I don't ask many questions in the interviews. I I try to scare them. I do. And it's funny, you know, whenever we get a stud and everybody knows it's a stud, they're like, all right, Nick, do not scare this one away. Like, please, for the love of God, do not scare this one away. But I, I think it's really important to lay those expectations out on the front end and tell some of the horror stories that we know exist within our business, right? Those calls at 6 o'clock on a Friday, I hope they never happen. I want to avoid our team members from having to deal with them, but they do happen. And if you're going to be the person that doesn't answer that call, right, then you can't be on our team, right? Because if you don't answer that call, then that client's no longer going to trust you, right? And it goes back to what we talked about earlier. They don't like you and they don't trust you. They're never going to value you. And so I give those examples and say, look, we do our best to create the appropriate work-life balance. But we are a professional services firm and we wanna be the team that our clients call when they're in the bind. Um, and that's never fun, it's never easy, right? But when we get those calls, we've done something right. And if we quit getting those calls, we've done something terribly wrong. And that is a very
0: simple, I can relate to that on professional level as well within the firm where we have that the same expectation you know we hope we never get that call at 6 p.m. 7 p.m. on a Friday or even on a weekend for that matter right. but I've been in the, the mountains in Nashville or in Tennessee and have told my wife I got to go back to the room and I got to take a phone call and I got to open the computer and I got to work through something because the has got something that's going wrong yep. or worst case I've got a client in a foreign country and they can't pay for their dinner right now because their credit card is, is declined so I've got to call the bank Tell them they're on vacation. Unlock the card yep. so they can get off their meal. That's great. Like, and We have to do that because, like you said, if you don't, you're immediately going to lose them. That's they're they're going to stop calling. They're going to stop doing anything you want. And those are the clients that know that they can call you are generally the ones you don't want to lose That's right. because they're going to be with you if you have to send out a memo saying, we're going through some tough times, X, Y, and Z is happening. We're going to do our best to fulfill everything we can, but just a heads up, we're working through some stuff internally yep they're gonna either reply back and say nick do what yep. you gotta do man we're completely understanding you handled us very well we know we're going to get our stuff taken care of thank you for letting us know
1: and on the flip side of that too patty when you do those things and you inevitably screw up right like i mean i make mistakes I and mean, i've had clients we're fire human me, right um but when we then make those mistakes those clients because they're our friends, because we have a real relationship with them, they remember how we were there for them in a time of need and when they were in a bind. And all the time, they're going to be there for us as well. And so I just, to me, that's what a real relationship and a real partnership look like, right? You, you And you can't be singular, unequaled, and extraordinary. Like, by definition, right, that's the tip of the spear, right? You can't be those things unless you're willing to make some real sacrifices, because Many people in this world would see that call come in on Friday and say, "I'll get to it on Monday." I'm not telling our team members they're the ones that are going to have to deal with it over the weekend, but they got to take the call. They got to come back to the team, and then we all come together and say, hey, "What are we going to do? How do we, how do we step up to support our clients in their times of need?" And uh, that's it's one of the things I'm most proud of is watching our team rally when those calls come in because it may come in to John. And John legit has stuff all weekend that he really doesn't need to miss. So the rest of the team's going to rally around John, say, John, you go do those things. We've got your back. We'll take care of this, and you'll tap back in on Monday. Yeah, and it's understanding
0: when you're in the professional business like, like you are, your client's success ultimately dictates your success. If your clients aren't successful and what you're doing to help them fails and they go out of business – that keeps happening time and time again. You're going to go out of
1: business. Well, there's no doubt about it. Why would you, <laughs> you ever hire client. us
0: if I tell you our clients are and they're all bad organizations, right? It, it, exactly. exactly right. And and so taking those calls on the weekends, understanding that if they called you, it's serious enough where it can't wait till Monday. Right. It can't wait until next business day. Right. It has to happen at that point in time. And whether it could be nine times out of 10, a simple question that needs an answer. Or a simple problem that has to get resolved, rarely, but still will happen. Will you have the big mountains that you're like, we got to pull a weekend? Correct. We got to pull a weekend, and we got to all come together. If you had plans, sorry, yep. but at the end of the day, we're gonna be here with you as the leaders of the organization, and we're gonna help you through this client's particular need. And if we all stick together and band together, we're gonna get it done. And then hopefully we don't have to be here all weekend. Yep. But If we don't do it, some element or some component of our client's business will either have a major problem or a failure because we didn't do our part. And at the end of the day, when you put a bunch of high achievers in a room, they're going to say, not on our watch. We're going to do whatever we can to get past it.
1: And look, some of the more enjoyable experiences I've had working along our team has been in those miserable situations where it's really late at night, it's so over the course of a weekend. Look, I'll never forget. I was in an LSU football game in 2019 during the Joe Burrow amazing run. Uh, I want to say we were playing Utah State that day. It was an 11 a.m. kickoff. We partake in a lot of tailgate, and we had a whole lot of fun. And we had a team that was working on a big proposal for one of our clients. Uh, and we thought we got it to the finish line uh, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was at the game. And we didn't, we weren't, we weren't where we needed to be. And there were a bunch more requests that came in that required a lot of us to rally, not in the best situations at the time, but to all come back in together on that Saturday afternoon to redo a couple of parts, to be able to get that proposal done on a Sunday, get it on an airplane and get it submitted. And that was awful at the time. I mean, it was awful, right? I mean, I remember cursing. I remember being incredibly (laughs) frustrated. Super apologetic. I was telling the team, we will buy you whatever it is you want. I mean, you could order Roots Chris. You can order, like, literally whatever you need, we will get you. But n- once you get through that experience, those four or five of us that worked on it, it's one of the best stories that we have. We love it. And, I mean, and it sucked at the time. Uh, but we did it, and that client is still now one of our long-term clients. They remember it.
0: And those late-night stories or – For me, it's some of the early morning stories where I've had to come in the office at three or four in the morning and just spend the whole day working to resolve an issue. And at the end of the day, you're right. It's, wow, that was miserable, but look at what we got done. And the team building that goes into that, you know, and kind of flowing into that part of the conversation of building that culture, having those miserable times where people are stuck together, they've got to get it done, and it's just a matter of, biting the bullet, we're here, we're all going to work together, and we're going to get this done, whatever it takes. As an organization, what do you all do both in those situations to maintain strong team building and also outside of those in a normal day-to-day life?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so this is where it gets real interesting in the virtual world, quite right. frankly, Patty, because it used to be really easy when those calls came in. We were all here in Baton Rouge. Uh, it's been in look, and I'll never forget. We had one project in North Carolina that was a really, really tough engagement, especially getting it kicked off and going. And this would have been, you know, in the April, May time frame of, of 2020, there were tons of late night Zooms, four or five of us on it, <clears throat> working on either the same document or different things. We were just kind of there for one another. All of us had cocktails in hand, uh, but we were just kind of rallying and supporting one another. Right. Cause it was miserable. It was miserable at the time, but it was what was required and what was needed. Right. Um, Look, for for those team members that consistently step up in those ways, Patty G, those are the ones that have done the skyrocket within our firm. So they're being rewarded in all kinds of ways because they're now leading projects because they did that two years ago, right? They're certainly going to get compensated for it. They're going to be afforded great opportunities to work on, fun, new and exciting projects. And so you better believe that, that we sort of know who's stepping up in those situations. And that becomes the rocket ship for those individuals because- that's when they prove to us that we can give them a client because we know how they're going to respond when that client calls them on a Friday at five o'clock. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, and then the other things we try to do and I think the only way to kind of make it through it most of the time is you just, you can't leave people on islands in those situations. They, they, they need some support structure and support system in place. So we've got to have two or three or four of us working on those things during the course of the weekend. And that's, you know, I, I hate it for our team members when it happens, but I am so proud. Like, I'll never forget Annie and Brittany and our team just several months ago. Kind of a similar situation where a big proposal was due for one of our clients. Those two did just an amazing job. You know, you know, both have young families, right? Both have young kids. So they both just kind of blocked and tackled and said, I'm going to do my family stuff from this time to this time, so you're going to be in the document I'm going to hand it over to you at this time. And so that that coordination and that, that understanding that you're not going to go at it alone, I think, is what makes a miserable situation pretty tolerable.
0: Yeah. And having that feeling of camaraderie and understanding where if you have people with the situations of young families, for me, a big time of day to get work done is from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the morning. No doubt about it's it. It's like it's quiet time. I can get to things I need to get to. I don't have a million emails coming in. My kid's asleep. My wife's asleep. I'm like, I can get stuff done yep. and I can still be there whenever they all wake up and we have that good family morning. And I know it's like, you don't miss anything. Exactly. Right. And you're still figuring out a way to work around your personal That's life correct. within your business and professional life. And that I think is something that people recognized in COVID the importance of yep. understanding a workflow and a time structure that's best for you on an individual level while still maintaining your same if not better contribution to the
1: organization on a professional yeah. level. And and look and I think that flexibility 95% of the time makes that 5% of the time when you make those sacrifices a whole lot again more tolerable, right? I mean, and and the team is willing to do it because they've got all the flexibility in the world as long as they're getting their work done, right? I mean, that's all we care about. And we know whether or not an individual is getting their work done, right? Because, you know, I always ask the question, what have you done today to go above and beyond for your clients and your team members? I actually, I sent it in a Slack today to our team because uh, we've got one of our team members just coming off of maternity leave uh, who's uh, dedicated on project site uh, at a hospital here in town, uh, Emily Rodriguez. And I got an email from the client today saying, I just want to let you know, Emily is killing it. She is crushing it. And so... I don't need to worry about when Emily is working and how she's working. When the client sends me that email, there's no concern and no worry there. So I showed our team today saying like, this is what success looks like, right? Our reputation tomorrow is being generated by what each of you do today or what you don't do today and what Emily's has done for the past couple of weeks, right. To lead to that email. That's the reputation we want. That is what we refer to as the method. Um, and, and so, from that perspective, it's easy to see, right? I mean, our, our clients will reach out to me and say they're crushing it and there's no more rewarding feeling in the world. It's That is way better than winning the work, right? That's, that is the best feeling in the world when our clients are recognizing the amazing contributions of our team members. And it's because they are singular and equal and extraordinary. And being able as an organization
0: to recognize the value in output versus input right. within your organization, That's right. meaning we don't necessarily care if you're in the office from X hour to Y hour. We don't care if you're working from X hour to Y hour, so long as your output and your client relations, like you just yep. mentioned, are there and you're getting your work done and you're fulfilling your goals and obligations. You're working with team members. You're being your collaborative best. And the clients are recognizing that, giving us feedback on that, which means you went above and beyond their expectations. For someone to get feedback, you had to go above and beyond their expectation. And for them to hit that mark and exceed that mark, it's like, I I don't know when you worked. Doesn't matter when you worked. Whatever you did, you went above and
1: beyond. And and that's that's what we're about. Anything you need from me now, you just tell me, right? Because clients aren't going to send me an email and say, you know your team member has met expectations it's not it doesn't happen right <laughs> no. no right i'm going to get a call when they have messed up and mm-hmm. when they've done something really really good in 9 out of 10 i'm getting a call cuz they've done something amazing right which is what i'm most proud of and as an
0: organization doing more than just giving them a pat on the back and saying great job you met our expectations and doing the way that y'all do with making sure that they're both competent they're compensated and rewarded properly goes a long way because no one ever has to question what is expected and what they have to do within the organization to either get ahead or get a higher reward. They can see it within their colleagues because they know, yeah, I saw an email come through from Jenna at 1130 at night and Brad sent an email at midnight and they were, I saw them burning the out, the candlelight, but you know, I don't know what to do to get ahead in this organization. It's like, well, you don't have to necessarily do that to get ahead. But if you do that, you're rewarded with a lot more than just great job. You right. met our expectations. It's oh my gosh, you went above and beyond our expectations to get what you got done. Thank you. And here's
1: here's your reward system. And look, again, it all goes back to right. Are we setting the expectations on the front end? And I think we are. I think we. And so our team members just do it, Patty. Like I, this is not enforced. It's never made, right? You know, our team members kind of know this is how we're gonna handle certain situations. And, uh, again, I just – I am amazed to work alongside an unbelievable group of team members. I mean, they're awesome. Uh, couldn't be more proud of them, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, And, look, the, you know, the proof is in the pudding and the results and what you all got over there at Emergent Method is, is proving itself day in and day out. So, as we start to wind down and wrap up the show, we have a set list of questions we like to ask every guest. Yep. So, the first one for you, Nick, is what is something you did as a kid wish you could still do today
1: yeah so I lost my mom when I was 23 years old and my mom was she was my person um she thought the world of me she always pumped me up she always challenged me uh my drive my fire my fuel right in so many ways comes from her my work ethic certainly comes from her and my dad um but my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was a freshman at LSU uh, was given six months to live. Made it almost six. She watched me graduate from LSU. She was able to watch me get married. She was alongside of me whenever I went through my own little bout of thyroid cancer when I was early in my career at PwC. And so, you know, the thing that that I wish I can go back and relive is just any time with my mom. I mean, I, it's one of these crazy deals. Is every time something really, really good in my life happens there's always a, an empty spot because I can't call my mom and I can't talk to her. And, uh, and so no, that's, that's probably the the biggest thing from childhood. And, and then second of that, I grew up with four brothers. Uh, we were close knit family. Uh, my other four brothers all live back in, 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 the St. Landry parish area still today. And so the, the impromptu and the everyday meals and the being around family, I'm, I miss that. Um, I get to see them and I don't get to see them enough. I get to see them around, Something that's planned and experienced, right? But I, I miss kind of the the everyday, just being able to be there with my four brothers, with my dad. When I still get that opportunity sometime, but but really just miss my mom.
0: Yeah, that's a traumatic experience to go through, but like you said, makes makes you stronger and gives you some put something to push yep, for. She was amazing. So, what are
1: three lessons you've learned along your way? Wasn't ready for this one, Patty. Probably should have been because <laughs> I think you sent these questions to me ahead of time. Um, I, the first I think, and we've talked so much about this, right and, it's, and, and you got to surround yourself with people that are like-minded, that have the same sort of mentality that have the same level of expectations. because um, I just see it all too often when you don't have that a level of passive aggressiveness, the level of frustration, the team dysfunction that occurs when not everybody is held or is living up to the exact same standard. I think that's just absolutely critical. The the second thing is relationships are king. Relationships are absolutely king. Um, And so the relationships that individuals are building today, they have no idea how important those relationships might be five or 10 years from now. My story would not exist. Our story of emerging method would not exist if it were not for great relationships that we developed you know, throughout each basic stage in our career, right? I go back to Jarrett Swallow when I was at LSU and him getting me into the internal audit program. I met a partner at PwC, Carol Calkins, uh, who was an LSU grad. She was high level with Coopers. She gave me my first opportunity. She supported me every step of my way within PwC. Her and I now serve on the Dean's Advisory Council together at LSU. She's been one of the biggest champions and cheerleaders and mentors and supporters for me. My partner in Atlanta was Chris Martin. My managing director was a guy named Derek Cavani that brought me on projects. Derek and I have kept in touch all these years. Derek comes in to do our strategic plan for our leadership, our our facilitation for our sessions. And so relationships are absolutely king. The, The individuals that I was grinding in the trenches with as a junior consultant, when I first moved back to Baton Rouge, they're now the CEOs, they're now the CFOs, they're now the COOs. Had no idea at the time. I loved working with them. and knew they were incredibly talented, right? But they were five layers down in an organization and they're now the ones making the decisions. And so relationships are king. And the more you invest in those relationships and build real and meaningful relationships, especially in our business, then everything else is going to sort of take care of itself. Oh yeah. That's
0: couldn't agree more. So what is something that you love about Baton Rouge?
1: I love her people. I do. Um, and I, I, what I love about Baton Rouge as well is it It would have been really, really difficult for us to do what we've done in a major market. And what I love is that we've been able to do it in Baton Rouge and then bring the best of Baton Rouge to a bunch of other places because I, I truly feel that people – that are going to interact and work with our team, right, even those individuals that aren't from here. Because everybody that gets hired at Emergent Method, they're here for our Christmas party, and it's a shindig. They're coming in the spring for our crawfish balls. They're coming in the fall for uh, our company tailgate. And so those are our three main activities where we're bringing everybody into Baton Rouge. They're going to get to know this place because this is our home. This is where our business is. This is where our business will always be. And so she is very, very special to us, and I think her people are as as good as it gets, quite frankly. We've got so many challenges and problems. What what I'm really proud of you uh, for, Patty, is, is doing this because it's what I don't think we do enough. We're incredibly prideful of our LSU Tiger football team, right? But we beat ourselves up over everything else and all of our problems and all of our challenges. The reality is all places have those things. We've got all of them, too. We do, and we need to get better at them, and we're committed to – doing all that we can to support our clients, to support our nonprofit communities, to invest and give back to this town. But there's so many great things happening, here and so many great people. And for our best and brightest, you can go off to a big metropolitan area. And I encourage you to do it. I think it's a great experience. I learned a ton from it. But it's gonna be really, really hard to make the kind of impact that we've been able to make and our team has been able to make in other places, right? Because you're a number, you're a cog in the wheel. I really think you have an opportunity to make huge impact, huge legacy, um, and it's again we we talk about it at Emerging Method. It's like what what's the legacy projects you're working on, right? For me, I can't drive down Nicholson and see the Water Campus and the Water Institute of the Gulf and not tell my kids, look, I was you know a small part of it, but I was part of this. Like that's cool. Like my kids see it. It's you know it's hard to explain what it is we do as we've tried to do this you know during the entire course of the show. And so I just I think there's a real ability for high-achieving people that want to do good to make huge impacts in this town that would be very, very difficult to replicate in another place.
0: Yeah, and the ability to call one person and get in touch with anyone that yep. you need, is it speaks volumes. Yep. The fact of how closely knit everybody is, I mean, it's a little big town yep. where we really can connect anyone and everyone to somebody. If they need to get a hold of them, they have to make one phone call, and that person's go. Oh, not a problem. I know that person. Do this, 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 and this, and I'll get you a meeting. No yep. problem. And seeing that, and having these companies come, one of these owners like yourself come on and share their experiences, is just invaluable. Yep. So, for the final question,
1: man, what can I do to help you? You keep inspiring everybody else, Patty. I sincerely believe that. Right. Right? I need. We want folks looking up to a Colleen Wagus back and to a Bev Heidel. We want those stories told because I want them to go create awesome things. I want more Brandon Landrys in this town and more Todd Graves and more Terrell Browns and more John Davies. Just keep inspiring this next generation. Don't get discouraged. Block out all the negativity and all the noise. Go work to fix things. Roll up your sleeves. Right, This is our problem. This is our city. Let's just keep working. So You keep inspiring, you keep being the connector, and uh, I'm just very optimistic about Baton Rouge.
0: Well, that makes two of us at least. (laughs) Yep. So (laughs) thank you, man, for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Thank you for making this work and getting us all together. It's nice listening to and hearing and learning from people and just hearing everything you've gone through and everything that's come out of what your experiences are is truly inspiring. Appreciate it, buddy. So thank you, and thank you to everybody else for Listening or watching us this show, I know I'm very grateful. I know the guests are as well. Look, if you're interested and you're high achiever and you're looking for a place to work, Emergent Method's definitely a place to check out. And also, if you're a company struggling and just need that extra edge to put yourself through some project, through the next hurdle, reach out to them. Let them know you heard about them from the Patty G Show, and they're going to take great care of you. And a big, wonderful shout-out and thank you to the amazing folks that bring this show possible each and every week. Hear a little bit more about them right now.
2: Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya Real Estate Reimagined.
0: Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new Taco of the Month, so if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's Taco of the Month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's Taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show
2: possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. Way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left. But the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s.
0: Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service Every step of the way, they're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days. But I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future, there's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out. Our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center and tell them Patty G sent you. McClavy's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want, go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure and let them know that Patty G Show sent you.